podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It's okay. Finally waited. Erickson, low. Great ball into the middle. What a save by Heaton. Tonight's Davison Sanchez. Lucas Moura. And belted into the net. Brilliant goal. On debut, Tungay Ondombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Let's take it out of the way. Lucas Moura clips it. Oh, great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London. That is absolutely incredible on debut. Oh, yay! What a finish for 3-2 from Serge Aurier. Wow, what a goal, Harry Kane. That is exceptional. Try and place it. Wonderfully taken by Eric Lamella. Never afraid to take on a shot, and with good reason. Oh, wow, what a run. Jermyn Son from inside his own half has scored one of the best. Of his Good evening, people. In fact, good day, whatever time you're listening to this. Um, welcome back to another episode of Touchline Hotspur. Um, I feel like this episode is going to be a bit of release therapy. Um, we are meant to talk about three matches, but in, really and truly, there's only one match that we really want to put our hearts and chest <laughs> to speak about. Um, before we actually get into it, let me let me just go around the table and actually uh, introduce uh, my fellow co-hosts as well. So, Tux, what are you saying? You good? Yeah, I'm good, brother. Good, man. Ready to, to unload on these men. Fully. Yeah? But I'm Empty the clip. Good. Empty the clip, yeah? Yeah, bro. It's getting unloaded. Everything's in <laughs> Owen, what are you saying? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, with this trim, I'm starting to... Like, I'm getting some really bad bootleg curtains, which is sick. Other than that, I'm gonna try and try and bring a little bit of positivity today while aiding in the unloading of said clip. <laughs> clips, clips, not clip, clips. Mm. Empty the, empty the M60 fact, clips. clips. Clip, clip. You're right. All right, cool. And um, last but not least, uh, Jack, what are you saying, man? Good. In fact, oh, you're not. Man. Oh, I'm I'm just a part of the army that's ready to step on next today. So <laughs> let's just get on with it. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, before we actually get into it, I just wanted to give you that sort of courtesy, just to make sure if you're listening, um, make sure to subscribe on all our socials as well. Touchline Fracker on Twitter, Touchline Fracker on Instagram, Touchline Fracker on YouTube. It's really easy to spell. It's really easy to find. So make sure you do that. Make sure you also follow us on Discord as well. We'll be there this weekend covering a lot of matches such as the United game and then, of course, the Spurs game um, on Sunday evening as well. So, boys, let's let's get into it. So let's actually breeze through the Wickham game because I, I think it's fair to say we all, 
we can all agree that we don't really want to talk about Wickham because it's a team we expected to beat. It's a team that we've made hard work of, but it's a, it's a, it's a game that we won and we're through to the next round. So, Tops, I want to sort of come to you and uh, I want you to give me sort of like your one takeaway from that match. Oh, my one takeaway from that match. So we ended up winning 4-1 in the end, or 3-1? 4-1. 4-1, yeah, the score was, for those listening, the score was 4-1. Honest with you, uh, essentially it was a second-string team, and my probably my main takeaway is that the second team is in the squad are not good enough, essentially. Um, I mean, yeah, we won 4-1, but I don't really want to see Harry Kane and Dombele, uh son coming on to try and beat a team that's the bottom of the championship, having not played in 14 days. I mean, up to that point when there's, when their man came in, it was just very, very poor. And it's clear to see that there's some players, in my opinion, that are just not of the level that we require. But, I mean, at the end of the day, we got the job done. Ndombele in, in, in done his madness. Stat padded a little bit. And we're through to the next round. Tricky one against Everton, but we got the win. That's what matters, isn't it? Mm, well, you're right. We did get the win. Everton, Everton awaits. Um, Jack, I want to come to you on this because uh, Tops made a good point about some of those fringe players. And we're probably going to speak about some of those fringe players, in, um, in, especially in the Liverpool game. But when you look at the crop of players that played in that match, uh, you had Gareth Bell, who looked like, in terms of mobility, he, he had a little Sutton there. And he obviously scored his goal as well. But... <laughs> Do you feel the word I'm what I'm trying to what what I'm trying to get at here is with these fringe players as well? Are there any that we can genuinely rely upon? Because like, I I know of course there are some that are genuinely finished, discarded. They need to be discarded. But are there actually any that we can actually utilize? No, it's as simple as that. I think there's just a big disparity between our five good players and the rest of them. Um, even players like players you know Carlos Vinicius, for example, the jury's still out on him. He needs to play. He needs more minutes. For some reason, Jose doesn't fancy him. I mean, Wickham was a sort of was a bit of a sign of you know maybe you know there there isn't that much there in terms of output and performance itself. But you have got to play him at the end of the day. But against the bottom of the side, you know, bottom of the championship side. He has to, this, this is a game he has to take by the scruff of the net. This is a game he has to show, you know, he has to keep, you know, he has to put in these performances, put in those numbers. And he didn't do it there. Granted, he doesn't normally get these opportunities, but when he did, he's not delivering. So I don't know if it's a matter of whether these players, these fringe players have to play their way into form or not, but whatever they're doing, it's not working. Mm. Well, you know what, with that... Um, I feel like Vinicius, I know it was a bad game in the office, for, or bad day in the office for him, but I feel like he he has acquitted himself to a decent love level in, in some of the previous matches we've watched where he's played, although of course, albeit it's, it's been against bums from different parts of Europe, but still, you can only be what's in front of you, innit? And he is he is in this team to be Harry Kane's understudy. And listen, we're, we're, we're probably going to need him more than ever, as we discussed later on um, during the podcast. But Owen, I want to come to you because I know you didn't watch the game, but I know you saw highlights and whatnot as well. And there's just one name I want to mention, and that's Tongi and Dombele. Because we were told that, oh, Spurs fans, why are you hyping? 
upper performance against Wickham and stuff like that. But I feel like opposition fans just don't realise that it, the hype isn't because of what he's doing against the level of opposition. The hype is what he's able to do with the football. So mm. I, I want to get your take on Ndombele um, off the back of that game as well, because I'm sure you saw both his goals. Yes, uh, definitely saw both his goals, so especially his second. Um I mean, I said earlier on in the year, and uh, a few eyebrows were raised that I thought that he'd go on to be much better uh, than than Musa Dembele. I, so, I, so I say we we we've obviously seen like his ball carrying skills from deep, which likens him to Musa Dembele. But what he does in the final third, um, and why he was named La Feint when he was at Leon. Um, like I had to watch that goal a couple of times just to see if one he actually like he properly meant the footwork. Of course he did, and then listen again, and he he had a no look shot to to put it near post as he's kind of manipulating where he thinks the Wickham defender is going to go. Then he just puts it near post while disguising um, using the Wickham defender as a disguise. So it it just shows that he's kind of come on to be the complete package, and he. In a sense, he can do anything he wants most of the time. It's 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 just scary. It's scary, even if it gets Wickham, if it's against that just anyone. It's scary. Oh. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Um, he's a special, special player. Um, I mean, it's 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 high time that he was a consistent fixture in this team because uh, we didn't really see much of him in the second part of last season as well. We all know he had these issues in his fitness and whatnot, but it feels like every podcast now we're talking about him and that's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. A player of his quality, you want them to stand out every game and I feel like no matter who we play, whether it's a big team, whether it's a small team, whether it's a medium team, he stands out. And that's what we need to. That's what we. That's what we want to see. That's what we all believe would happen, and that's what we hope um, will continue. But I don't want to labour o- o- over this game. Harry Winks scored, had a good game, yes, but it's Wickham. Um, <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember who scored our second goal. So yeah, Gaffrell scored the first goal. Obviously, in Dumbley Brace, we we'll move past yeah. it. Winks scored the second goal. Yeah. Oh yeah, Winks scored the second goal. Sorry, we'll move past this, and we'll even move past the defensive lapse. Concentration for the first goal we continued to Wickham because I know everyone is chomping at the bit to talk about Liverpool. <laughs> Sorry, Wickham, it's not a disrespect to you, um, but that game's long and gone, and we need to speak about the most recent match. So, where do we begin, lads? Um, Liverpool. So we we need to do the post mortem, so to speak. And I feel like the best way to start is with an assessment of the shape and lineup. So, tops, I'm going to come to you first on this. So, when you saw that lineup come out and that shape. What were your immediate um, thoughts? So uh, my immediate thoughts straight away was obviously that we're playing three at the back. Um, obviously with a uh, double pivot in the middle, and then obviously Berger in Sun and Kane up up top. Um, to be honest with you, obviously with the team news that was obviously revealed earlier in the week, I knew that we would be down a, a left-footed fullback. Um, and with Davies probably more taking the position as one of our centre-backs now, it was always going to be interesting to see who he was going to play on that left side. Um, he started with Aurier on the right. and Was it Doherty on the left or was it Doherty on the left? Yeah, it was Doherty on the left. Uh, so to be honest with you, uh, the jury's really out. I think it's out now. 
on, on Doherty. Um, so I kind of went into the game thinking, okay, we are going to try and, how can I put it? Um, we're going to try and suffocate Liverpool in that attacking area because they haven't really been scoring. They haven't, they haven't been scoring this year. They've not really been hitting the ground running with their attacking sort of play. And I felt in many ways that was kind of a good way to go because we could try and sort of choke them out, suffocate their attack and obviously then use that as a springboard to try and counter, which we've been doing a lot. But, man, I don't know, like, it just it didn't seem to work. Doherty didn't seem very comfortable there. We didn't seem to keep the ball very well with our structures. And I found that, like, especially that first half, even though there were parts of it that I thought that we played quite well and we executed the things that we do regularly well, there yeah. were still moments and lapses that made me feel like, God, Liverpool were a centimetre away. They were a, a, a save away. They were a tackle away from really causing us problems. And obviously, as we saw towards the end of the half, clear laps um, led to us going into half-time 1-0 down. You know? Yeah, no, you're right. Um, that first half was interesting as well because I actually felt that um, from a game plan perspective, barring the errors, I thought that's what the manager would have wanted. That's what he would have wanted going into half-time 0-0. And... Fair enough, Liverpool, they kept the ball. Um, they had more attempts than us, but I felt like we were firmly in the game. I feel like the first half, it was actually much more of an even contest. It felt like they would get in a couple of times, we would get in a couple of times. Our midfielders had space to dictate, their midfielders had space to dictate as well. So it, it looked like a, a, um, a really sort of like hotly contested fixture. And then, like you said, boom, on the stroke of hard time. One of those mistakes finally leads to a goal. And yes, I said one of those mistakes. Now, Owen, I want to actually zero in on something which um, Tops mentioned. And this isn't going to be a scapegoating exercise. This is just facts. Uh, Matt, Do- Matt Doherty. So Tops mm. said that he looked uncomfortable at left wing back. He I then mean... played at right back in the second half. And he still looked uncomfortable. This guy has looked uncomfortable throughout the season. And the thing that worries me about him is it's not just defending. The things that he was actually good at, like first touch, passing, um, uh, cutbacks, he can't do anything. So <laughs> talk me through your, your thoughts on this signing and, and, and where do we go from here? Because it's, it's sticky. Firstly, I, I mean, I hope that's the last time we do see him on the left. So I, I remember seeing the lineups announced thinking, uh, obviously, okay, yeah, we're playing with two wing-backs. It's got to be Aurier on the left because he's just technically much better and um, obviously just much better suited to the role. Doherty looked like a fish out of water, like you say, all game. First half on the left, um, he was obviously just well within his shell, didn't look comfortable on the ball, didn't look like he, he knew what he wanted to do whenever he like had any openings. Or whenever he did get the ball, um, second half, like there were times where it looked like he could have attacked space going forward, like, just on the overlap. Um, but then he, no, he would either just not make the run, or he would just run inside aimlessly, kind of in into whoever was on the right, which was mainly Lamella. Um, I, I don't know what to do with him, to be honest, because I've been thinking, okay, yeah, he's been poor. He has been poor. But he's still proving that he can be a solid player. 
and he can be a good option for us at right back. But he, time and time again, he's not taking his opportunity. I still think his best game is probably the Everton one, which was the very first game of the season. He's he's just not yeah. kicked on since then. So, um, boy. Um, like, I, I don't know. Sorry to interrupt you. I just feel like, I feel like it could be a number of things. Because, like, when, you know, on this pod, when we first heard about the sign-in and we signed him, it was a bit sheepish. Yeah. People, people were like, people were like, I was that's, one of, that's the one of the best fullbacks from last season. Yeah, we know that he's a, he's a system player, but he looked to have the qualities of a player that should be able to adapt in whatever sort of system that we played. But like now I look at him, months down the line, and I just think maybe, I think it's a number of things. I feel like, first thing, it is confidence, because when he has played, I don't think he's played particularly well. And the second thing that I think has been bad for him is just this continuity, because... If you think about it, when he was at Wolves, he's playing every week, he's playing in the system that he's comfortable with, he can actually afford to make mistakes the way the system is set up for him. And also, I feel at Wolves, the pressure's not really on. If we're really going to be honest, Wolves are a good side, but they're an inferior side to Tottenham. They're not going to be pushing for you, they're not going to be pushing for trying, for trying to compete in like latter, latter sort of stages of, of um, competitions. So at Tottenham, the, the pressure is higher. He's not playing as much and he's not playing well. So I feel like a multitude of these things can kind of sort of in a melting pot work against him and against a Liverpool team where you're playing world-class attackers. Those things are going to come out and they're going to be seen at the worst of their times. Like I, I, It was weird yesterday watching him. It was like he had lost the basics. He couldn't make five-yard passes. He was constantly out of position, constantly away from hmm. his man. I, I was watching and thinking... Like and, and I'm not one to criticise pro footballers because they're pro for a reason. But I just watched him yesterday and I, I just thought he was so devoid of quality. And I was so surprised because I like watched him last season and every week watching him do crazy things, getting forward, working hard, creating opportunities for Wolves. But, but for Tottenham, it's like he looks completely different. It's just... You've you, you hit the nail on the head there, Tops. And I say this to my friends all the time because some of my friends, they'll be like, oh, you bigged him out to be this 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 really good player. And I'm like, yeah, I did. Because I've I watched this guy two years at Wolves. Now, I'm not even seeing 10% of the player that I saw at Wolves. But, um, yeah, it was just, even, like you said, basic five-yard passes. He can't even pass anymore. He can't pass the ball anymore. Um, and I feel like we had, we went through the motions with this when Trippier had that horrific season for us. And we're in the same position again. We kept saying it can't get worse than Trippier, and it has. And it's sad to say it, but it has got worse than Trippier. It has got worse than Aurier. But that's more off of off, uh, Matt Doherty, because as bad as he was, and he was incredibly bad, arguably the worst performer on the pitch, or joint worst performer on the pitch, he didn't make a mistake that led to a goal. So, Jack, I'm coming to you next on this because, I mean, Liverpool played well. Let's not take anything away from them. They played well, but they did not play that well. We made them, we made them, look, well. we made them look way better than they, um, they are. Um, we made them think that they're back. They're going to they're they're lose next game, watch. <laughs> but, um, yeah, talk us through the goals. Talk us through the goals and the comedy. Um, Aurier. 
Dyer, Loris, that 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 was the first goal. That in a nutshell. And when you think of those three players, that's the exact kind of goal you imagine them conceding. Just the calamity, absolute calamity. Why are we laughing at this, man? This is our club. <laughs> you don't laugh. You're just gonna cry, man. That's all. <laughs> like literally, it's. I've backed Hugo Lloris this season, post-lockdown, actually. I've backed him because he's been brilliant. He's been brilliant yeah. ever since that period. Yeah. But he's still making those mistakes. And uh, I'm sorry, it's just not good enough. We're going to have to invest, like, long-term investor in another keeper at some point. And that may when have you, to be sooner rather than later. When you say uh, some point, when, when, when is that, though? Because I had a, I had an argument, well, I say argument, I had a conversation with a couple of my mates today. And I don't think, I know he made a mistake, but I don't think... It's an unforgivable, unforgivable mistake. I feel like he's a keeper who's acquitted himself extremely well the last two years. I feel like he's still got credit in the bank, but is that something you would want to address this summer? Next summer? If either this or, this or next. Either way, he's, he's much more experienced now than ever, obviously. But yeah, those mistakes are still creeping in his game. And that's the worry when you are this age, when you are this experienced and you still have these mistakes in you. Best, one of the best shot stoppers in the world. I mean, he saved out Bacon numerous times. That Champions League run, it was insane. I think against Dortmund, that was probably one of his best games I've ever seen at, um, in Dortmund. But um, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to talk about one player because it was it was a calamity of players that were. Eric Dyer. I mean, I'm not going to waste energy on this guy. He is he is down there. It, honestly, I. I've said it on group chats, I've said it on Twitter so many times, and I'm going to say it here, he is down there with the Anthony Gardeners, the Federico Fazio, the Vlad Kirik. <laughs> <laughs> They've had good... I remember when Vlad Kirik his first came, he had good form. Yeah. Remember when he had good form when he first yeah, arrived? Yeah, he sacked Lukaku. He sacked Lukaku at good exactly. <laughs> But he's still a shit defender, don't get me wrong. Eric Dyer <laughs> is that player. He had good form, but he's a terrible centre-back. Aerially poor. On the ball, poor. <laughs> the mistakes he made yesterday, like awful. And this is the thing, he's been respons he's been part of that defence that's been responsible for conceding many, many points that we that we've lost this season. It's been him it's not just been him, but he is one he's the worst thing is he has been our best centre back this season. That is the biggest worry. That is and the clear out in our back line that that is needed is massive. It's huge. Joe Roden, um, he's young. I'm gonna, I'm gonna forgive him for that one. I'll give him, you know, obviously give him, give him some time. Obviously, given his age. But what the hell was that, though? I know that. that what the hell was that? Guys? Head loss. Head loss. Absolutely. What head loss. Was that? <laughs> but the worst thing about it is off the ball, awful. You know, our defense, but on the ball as well. You've got players like Ndombele and Hoybier and midfield. Who obviously Hoybier is very competent on the ball, and Ndombele is sensational. On the turn, on the half turn, um, breaking lines, drop, you know, dropping that shoulder—it's sensational. He can get us, he can get us into good counter-attacking positions once you release the ball to him. But what do our defenders do? They always set it out wide. Where's the, and then we lose it. It's either overhit or we just lose the ball completely. Yeah, that's tactics. That's 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 pure and utter tactics. And this Algarve Allardyce that we've got in charge of this club, yeah. <laughs> he's holding it back even further. We've got issues. We've got issues here. We've got deep-rooted issues at this football club. Mm, but this manager, is, he's, he's facilitating it. He's making it worse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's, there's, there's an argument to be had where, whereby people say, oh, 
how can you get onto Jose Mourinho when you know these players aren't good enough? But I feel like I feel like you can. I feel like you can acknowledge that certain players are not good enough for this team, and you can equally acknowledge that a manager is not getting the best out of some of these players or not getting the best out of this team, despite some of the glaring deficiencies it has. And with with that, I want to move on to you, Owen, because uh, we'll come back to the players, but let's focus on the manager now. So the game plan was going, I don't want to say well, but the game plan looked okay. Half-time going into the nil-nil, you're not really too mad at that. Still in the game, Created a couple chances to score, had the goal ruled out for offside, whatever. But we conceded on the stroke of half time. I don't really think you can put that much on Jose Mourinho in the first half. I felt like first half he managed. I guess in terms of how we came out, I, I guess how we played. Yeah, you could say whatever. But second half, now explain me through. Explain me what was going through his head. Um, yeah, I've been trying to get into his thought process to be fair because I, for no at any point, sorry. Do I think he was right? Obviously, he at half time brought um, Winks for Aurier, where it could have easily or much easily been Doherty, but he brought Winks for Aurier to help us shift to go for a four at the back and match them up in midfield. And um, then moving Andombale up to a 10 again, and then brought on Lamella for the injured Kane to, again, just try and get someone close to Sun. Um, which which Lamella can do at times. I think um, he just wanted to try and exert a little bit of control in the game to get to the hour mark or kind of the 70th minute and hopefully still be perhaps at a 1-0 deficit and then bring on an attacker. Now, <laughs> Lamella, of all people, to come on was wild to me. Um, <laughs> like, an initial viewing, because it is quite hard to take in games when you're watching it on um, while doing Discord, but Discord was fun, so um, <laughs> going back and watching it, I saw Huibier and Winks because he struggled to get the ball to Ndombele quite a lot. Um, I thought that was just us being poor, but to be fair, Liverpool only really had to cut the passing lanes to Ndombele because they could just sacrifice and just be like, OK, you can either pass to Lamella or Ndombele. Who are you going to pass it to? Obviously, you're going to try and work it to Ndombele, and they just snuffed it out. So, I mean, credit to them. They just used their common sense to cut those passing lanes well. And, um, but, yeah, we, we Lamella coming on, obviously, just didn't do anything in terms of our attack. We never once looked like creating a good chance in that second half where we actually did set up quite well in the first half, I think, player errors aside. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. 
Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. I, I, I think Mourinho got it heavily wrong throughout the whole game. Obviously, he waited to the 80th minute to bring on another attacker, by which point I believe we were already 3-1 down. Yep, we were. Uh, I mean, because even that 2-1, like, Liverpool were threatening. Like, we did well to get back into the game through Hoybier. Like, it was a kind of chance out of nothing. Bergwijn got another assist, fair play. Um, but the the warning signs were there. And I felt like we needed an attacking substitute a lot earlier. Whether it be Bale, whether it be Vinicius, Vinicius, Lucas, anyone. But he waited until... They actually did take the lead through through sustained pressure, which we just never wanted to relieve at any point. And he he just got stung for it. Like it was poor game management all round in the, during the whole second half from Jose. Like I've got to say, yep, um, <clears throat> perfectly and um, well um, eloquently said. Tops, I'm coming on to you next. To be honest, because I want to stay on this on this Jose thing. Um, we will go back to the players because I don't want this to be a Jose bash a Jose bashing session because we acknowledge that it's the players primarily, but we also need to acknowledge the faults in our manager as well. So back on Jose Mourinho now, um, let's actually look at the stats. So the second half, fifty nine percent possession, one but yet one shot in the entire second half. In the entire second half. Okay. And we were the home side chasing a game where we were 2-0 down. Okay. Um, I want you to sort of run me through your thoughts on the fact that he decided to leave an actual striker on the bench um, again and play Sun as the lone striker because I don't know about you, but I felt our second half we were caught in between two minds. We were trying to play a high line and uh, squeeze Liverpool high up the pitch, but they were beating our press with ease, one. And they were getting in behind on the fence easily, too. And when we were trying to build the ball back up again uh, from a goal kick, we were going long. So, can you explain to me? <laughs> can you? And to make it worse as well, we like like Owen said, we had Lamella to be the the creative hub. So <laughs> 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 and I feel like we need to. I, I want you to speak honestly about Bergwijn as well because. Yes, there was yeah. another case of half glass half empty for him, even though he got the assist. So I want you to sort of encapsulate your thoughts on all of those points I've mentioned. Like, honestly, like I thought Owen made some really good points because when he made those subs, I initially I was like, I think he's made it. He's made subs too quickly. I actually believe he's jumped the gun here because, as we said, I didn't think our first half was bad. I feel like whilst we conceded late, there were opportunities that we could have created and it looked like there were some decent patterns in play, some decent counter-attacks that we had been creating. So in my mind, I was like, hmm, fine, Kane's injured. You have a striker. You've, you've wanted a striker for so long. You've, you've advocated how much important to have a player who's of quality that you specifically have asked to buy and you've got in the squad and you choose not to play him. I, that confused me straight away because I was just like, why wouldn't... I? It was. It made me actually think, why wouldn't he play Vinicius in, in this moment? Why would he choose 
to actually bring on a midfielder instead and move Son into the middle with Lamella. So the second point I was also confused about was because we actually did have control in that midfield. I felt Genie, Thiago and Milner against technically uh, Hoiberg and Ndombele, I felt that there were large amounts of that first half where our midfield was on top. Yes, Liverpool had more numerical men, but I felt in the little battles that were happening, we were, we were, we were in control because of Ndombele. So I was like, this game is a game that he clearly is playing well in and he's clearly getting on the ball and at times for us controlling the play and allowing us to break the lines for the counters that we were creating. But then for some reason, Lamella comes on and as we've always said on this pod, moving Ndombele up, Ndombele's an excellent player. We know he's an excellent player. He can play eight, he can play six, he can play ten. Fine. But in a game against Liverpool against top quality players where you saw he was actually playing well, why did we descend to revert and push him a bit further up and then why would we bring on Winks? I, it it really threw me, these two subs, because I didn't really get it. With Bale, with Lucas Moura, with Vinicius on the bench, he chose to bring on Lamella and Winks. That, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to throw the blame at Mourinho, but I feel like he hasn't really given us decent justification for why those two came on. I didn't think Stevie played badly. I, I, I thought first half he was kind of active. He was causing quite a few problems yeah. um, on that right-hand side. And yes, he was supporting, even allowed us to get into decent positions. I think he created a chance for Sun, which Sun Sun didn't take. And obviously he had the assist in the second half. But then again, you know, players like Bergman, they, 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 he almost comes in and out of the games. In the second half, honestly, he was anonymous. And I don't really want to. I don't want to slander him because I think he's a very good player. He's still young, still learning his craft. But he was anonymous, very much so. Other our, our, our other attackers were anonymous. Son, yeah. Anonymous. Like, yeah. What did Lamella do in that, in that second half? You know, and why would you feel that of the people that you bring on, it would be Bale? Why wouldn't you do it like for like with, with the striker that was on, and then see how it goes? Because we didn't play badly in the first half, did we? We we really didn't. I don't think we did. Yeah, I don't think we, we did play badly. He didn't just, and to me, like, what what really upset me, okay, you see, is, fine, if you are going to pull the rug from your, from under your players and throw them in the fire, the way he was calling out individual errors, fine. But you then need to justify why you chose to change the tactic the way you did. You need to justify why you chose to bring the players on that you did. Because, in my opinion, I have not, I have no real justification why he why he didn't bring on Vinicius yesterday. No real justification. Yeah. No one, no one can make sense of it, bro. And um, just on your point as well, I, I think you got all your points across perfectly well. Um, I think on the Stephen Bergwijn one, it wasn't to say that he played bad. I don't think he played bad. I think he obviously got his assist. But I feel like with a player, a player like Stephen Bergwijn, and it's not just him, players like Stephen Bergwijn, players like Gareth Bell, players like Lucas Moura, God help us, players like Lamella, these players, they need to step up and... I know he created that goal, but there were a lot of moments in that game where he didn't use the ball quite well in the final third. And we're now 20-something games in and we've still got zero goals. And the reason why I mention the goals is because I'm going to get on to our next point now, which is Harry Kane's injury. Harry Kane is injured now. We know that it's probably going to take a number of weeks. We know that Son's going to step up, because he always does when Kane's absent. But we need the supporting cast to step up. 
Mourinho had a press conference today saying he's going to need to rely on Gareth Bale. But it's not just Gareth Bale. We want Stephen Bergwijn playing ahead of Gareth Bale because we can see that Gareth Bale, from a mobility point of view, can't offer us anywhere near what Stephen Bergwijn does. But we need output. So, Jack, I'm going to come to you on this now because I know you're not going to mince your words. Um, Harry, Kane injury, Harry Kane injury injury news. What's your, what's your take on that? What's your take on how we go about sort of circumventing the inevitable um, drop-off in, in, in goals in his absence? Um, well, we've got Brighton, Chelsea, Man City and Everton in the next few weeks. Um, in there as well. Um, and no Kane for, for any of those games potentially. There were there was a um, article that said um, that he might it might be um might be yeah. we'll see about that. Um, yeah. It's very difficult to see how we can where, where our goals are going to come from with the, <laughs> with our style of play. I mean um, Son has stepped up in the past. I get that, but again, is Son in this annual period of time where he also has a dry patch of form like he always does the the thing that is preventing him from making that world class level um, I'm not sure and he has to really step up but again like like you said Toby the, the rest of them have to step up in order for him to get those goals again because it's, it's so difficult to see where the goals are going to come from with yeah. the way we play with the, the way we approach a game um, on the potch when Kane was out Son did so I, I think I remember that that Bournemouth game 4-1 where he got injured um, yeah, and then so. Kane's, um, um, Sonny stopped up just stepped up got a hat-trick and um, but our style of play facilitated that it, got, it gave him those chances Son's been missing chances of late as well um, yes, he's been poor and if we're not giving him much if we're not providing him with much service how is he going to be able to step up in the first place? So it's going to, it's very worrying. And even then, Kane hasn't been in the best form in the past couple of weeks either, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it is a worry. It's a massive worry. He's always going to be a big miss regardless. But I think especially now when we're not... We've won two and eight Premier League games in the past two months. Um, it is especially worrying. And when, you try, when you're trying to get back into form and this happens... It, it could be it, it'll definitely dent our top four chances that's for sure and so yeah um, and we, yeah. we can sit further and further down the table in the next few weeks yeah we need him back and it's like you said it's the worst period for us to to start losing our um, losing our form in the in the opposition's box really Sunny. Sonny, no goal in his last four appearances, albeit one of those um, appearances were a like 10-minute cameo against Wickham. Um, obviously, got the assist for Ndombele as well, but he did score the goal that was ruled out offside yesterday, uh, but he then was putting... Uh, was it Bergwijn who put him through that time or something like that? And, um, and he hit it straight at Allison as well. Didn't score against Sheffield United. Wasn't bad, but wasn't good either. And then, obviously, you know, Fulham, he missed a heck of a lot of his chances. But I don't really... It's weird. I, I feel like Son deserves leeway. I don't know. I'm going to come to you on this top. So I feel like if there's any player who deserves a bit of leeway this season, it's Son. I feel like we've given leeway to a heck of a lot of players this season, like your like your Bills, like your... Um, 
the Celsos, etc., etc. So I feel like Sonny deserves a bit of leeway this season. What do you think? Yeah, I know. I do agree with you. I feel like, um, as we've mentioned a number of times on the, on the pod, you know, I feel like this is a very important season for him. I think, um, you know, he's coming to a, an age that would you would call someone's of his level, you would somewhat their peak. Um, this is, I think, his fifth or sixth season at Spurs. Yeah, I think it's it's. I think it's yeah. Six. I, I I think I think it's a six, and you know it's we six. know his qualities. We know we we know the history with him. We've seen what he's done, and we've obviously got to a point where I you know I, I I've said personally that this is a player. If he hits twenty league goals this season, I in the Premier League I I, I call him world class. Um, yeah. With numbers like 18, 20, 21, 18 in the last few seasons. And this season, he's already got 16 goals in all comps. So he's a player that's pulled us out of positions a number of times. There was a very interesting discussion yesterday about him against Ra- him or Rashford. Um, I feel like, whilst two of them are at different places in their career, uh, we know Sonny's quality, we know his ability, and how much of an important player. That he's been for us in these last few seasons. So yeah, there are going to be moments which we which we know as well with him. He does go in and out of spells. You mentioned, you know, him not scoring in four games. Yeah. He might not score for four games, but then he could score a hat trick in the next. This is the kind of player that he is. And yeah, whilst these chances are not, are not being put away now, um, I I'm just hoping that he just continue plow continues plowing away. Yeah, um, sure, go on. No, 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 I've done, man. Like, just, just. At least he just gets back on the goal trail because yeah. now he needed more than anything, you know. Yeah, um, twenty-eight appearances for some this season, sixteen goals. That's incredibly good, considering he hasn't scored in his last four matches as well. Um, he's averaging over over one and two, um, and he's a left winger. Uh, I don't know about you lot, but this season for me, he has. I'm not going to stamp it and say he's a bona fide world class player now, but I feel like his performances this season have befitted the performances of a world class player, in my opinion. Um, he's won us countless games this season, and his consistency from day one has been superb up until up until uh, recently. Um, I did actually want to focus now on um, another part of this this um, weird game, um, Aurier, this Aurier alleged bust up. So Owen. Um, What's your thoughts on on this? Apparently, we're hearing that rumours of Lloris arguing with 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 Aurier, Aurier being sent home by Mourinho. Um, the press are saying that Mourinho was set to, this, to decide his fate today. Um, what do you what do you make of this situation? Um, boy, I mean, I'd like to kind of get a better picture on it once. Um once it's decided whether he'll be part of the next match day squad, because then we kind of get a better um, bit of view on it, I guess. But if it was an argument with Lloris, I can imagine it would be at half time. He's probably got his uh, delicate ego towards Aurier, and he's blaming him for letting money in behind, trying to cover up for, I guess, what his mistake may have been for for the yeah. first goal, where it was essentially his zone. Um, it was Dia who should have used his initiative to clear it initially, but I mean, it was um, it was an interesting one with the uh, with the shape because Mane got in time and time again in that first half, and I think it was like the very first action of the game where Aurier made the mistake to let him in. So I think it's it's a player ego thing. I think players that are 
arguing in changing rooms. I wouldn't put too much stock in in stocking um, players being not involved in future matchday squads because of it. I think it's a positive thing that players are calling each other out for mistakes, um, especially if it's the captain towards um, towards a player who seems to have made repetitive mistakes in a game. Uh, being sent home, it, it sounds quite deep, but I, I think it'll be all right going forward. It's just one of those things where players get called out for their wrongdoings. He, he obviously didn't appreciate being called out. Uh, I, I expect him to be involved against Brighton, though. Well, I hope so, to be honest, because I think we kind of need him to be involved against Brighton. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've established that uh, Matt Doherty cannot start against Brighton for our for our own good. Um, <laughs> so let's actually move on to the Brighton preview now. Um, so... Oh, and I'm going to stay on you as well. Brighton, one win in their last 11, but they're unbeaten in their last two games. Um, should we be ha- apprehensive about this fixture? Of course, um, because we, we've got a um, main goal threat out injured now. Um, I think it could be a game that could even play to our hands because we, we've looked in recent games to kind of move our defensive line forward at least a little bit. Like it's not been a huge difference, but we can make those allowances against Brighton because they don't really have that potency up front. Although they are very, very good at controlling games, um, I think if we implement even that, a similar strategy to how we did against Sheffield United, right? Like they still play three at the back, we could match that up and kind of press forward, get someone up close to Sun, and. Um, Try and get out of them. I want to see Delhi back for this game as well. Like it's, it's yeah. going to be the last day of the train, January transfer window as well. Yeah. As much as I don't see it, he's kind of the only player who I kind of semi trust to make a difference. Exactly. Just getting us a goal <laughs> or an assist. Because I mean, if you look at our options, it's Bale dead, Lucas dead, Lamella dead, Vinicius. I'm not sure I'd involve him off the bench early if we haven't got a goal. You wouldn't but, start. You wouldn't start Vinicius. Not currently. No, I think Son starting up front. He's shown that he can perform to a very high level as an alpha in this team to to get goals before in in prior Kane annual injuries. Bergwijn can play in his preferred position off the left. I think he's um, a small part of his struggles. I'd say it wouldn't be the root cause, but a small part of his struggles is I think he does prefer playing on the left. So him on the left with Sun up front, I, I wouldn't know who to play on the right, to be honest. That's that's, that's a scary thought. That's the problem. <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I have no That's I'm playing left, but who's going to play? Who's, who's going to play? <laughs> I, I'd say just go with Bale. This is yeah. where, this is where yeah. Mourinho's going to earn his 15 million. This is where Mourinho's going to earn his 15 million. I'll let him decide where he's going to put that on the right. Who he's going to put on the right. If he can try and get at least 70, 80% back of Delhi, he he could be hugely effective for us against Brighton. And we know he loves the performance against Chelsea as well. So, Fair enough. Um, I did want to zero in on the, on, the dad, on the Ali thing because he is... He's injured. Mourinho's come out and said that he's he's still nursing an injury, so he's probably going to be mm-hmm. a doctor anyway. But Jack, I want to come to you on this because uh, 
this is the, this is the thing with Deli Ali because he's been out of the team for so long. He's now painted as a, as the solution, and me and me and Sai summed up perfectly on a on a pod on the last like two pods ago. And he is not the solution, but he is a solution right now. What's your take on that? And what's your take on Ali being involved? And then uh, going off from that, I want to ask you around um, what your preferred central uh, defensive pairing would be for this game. I don't think Ali is a solution. I think he's a papering over the cracks that we've had recently um, with Kane's injury. Um, I, you know, a lot of the people that that are desperate and craving for Ali, I think they've got very short memories. They're forgetting his form for the past two and a half years. It's been poor, and we haven't even seen forty, fifty percent of Ali um, for the you know in that time because um, we know what we know the qualities he has and. What he's done is it was sensational, especially at his age, and the drop off has just been it's just been off the cliff. But um, yeah, so in regards to that, whether he's there or not, it won't make much of a difference to be honest, um, because we're we're pretty depleted in that department. Yeah. Before you go on to your next point, though, my counter argument to that though is we know that he needs to be sold. I don't know about I don't know whether Thompson O and you agree. I, I feel like for the for the club's best interest and for his best interest. He just needs to be moved on, but I feel like the 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 need and or better yet the the ask of Ali to be in this team is because we're seeing players like Lamela playing that position. We're seeing players like Lucas Moura playing that position. We're seeing Ndombele have to play out of position to play in that position. So in the short term, surely it would make sense to okay put in a player who has been poor over, over the past two years, but. It's still a player who's better than some of those options that we're seeing in the in in that position right now. Mm. Yeah, but whatever happens, whatever the situation, I'm always considering the manager and the approach and the style of play. I, you have to. Um, we should be beating Brighton, but with the players we have, if we go with the right intent, we could. But with with the wrong intent, which is what this manager does, I can't see it happening. And um, a creative a creative coach could shoehorn. Ali into a system, maybe a false nine, maybe maybe you know, play him as a second striker and have almost a double pivot and have someone on someone out wide drifting inwards and supporting that midfield. I don't know, but it's clear to see that the manager that he doesn't favour him and it's just never going to work under him. It's just never going to happen. Um, so yeah. that's what I sort of I just, just. How would you set up v Brighton? As a stand. Before you answer that, before you answer that, though, um, I think I want I want to hear Topps' answer on that, but I want to stay on Jack and focus on the centre back pairing as well because yeah. we've, been, we've been very critical of, of Eric Dyer. Um, Alvarez not played the last couple of games. We know Sanchez has been god awful this season, and Joe Rodon. We know that he's still young and he's learning. So let me have it. Um, back three, back four. What 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 you what you thinking? I'm going to say back four. I'm going to say go with what what did work at least somewhat um, earlier on in the season with Toby and Dyer at centre back. I think um, you'd still play Dyer. <laughs> what choice did we have? <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe Toby and Roden, but I think um, I think after that mistake, I think give Roden a bit of rest. Give you know give Roden a few games and whatnot. 
um, and let him settle back into the team again. But it's gonna, it's probably gonna be Toby and Dyer again. Rodin's playing the next game. Exactly. Just to just to pause pause on that. Jose Mourinho said in his press conference last night that Joe Rodon will start against Brighton. So surely it's now a toss up between Dyer and Alderweireld. So I mean, play Toby because um, we need someone that can actually be an outlet on the ball um, when they receive it because. That Liverpool performance, the centre backs were pathetic on the ball. Um, when you have a player like Ndombele in that midfield and you're spraying out wide, and those players, our quality players, aren't actually getting that much of the ball. And when they do, they actually look decent with it. Mm. It's pathetic. So I think we need someone that can actually is good on the ball that can spray those balls out wide well or better than what we already had mm. uh, last game. But in terms of the fullbacks as well, Aurier has to start. Can't, can't start um, Dahiu at all. And um, unfortunately, it's going to have to be Ben Davis if he's fit again. The situation is that bad. Almost every player we're, we're trying to put into this team is just dreadful. Listen, I feel, like, I feel like we are a fair bunch here, and I feel like we have to give credit where it's due. I'm not going to lie, Ben Davies has actually been in, in pretty decent form the last couple of games, man. I know, yes, it's Ben Davies. I know he's crap. I know that. I know that. He's not a good player, but we have to give credit where he where it's due. I feel like in recent weeks, he has been in, in, in decent form. They got to... At left centre-back, he is. He does play, he tend to play better, yeah. But, uh, again, like Dyer, you know, uh, you can't trust yeah. him. can't yeah. trust him. These players cannot put your money on to so have a good game. Of course, uh, top. I'm moving on to you. <laughs> uh, we didn't really eulogise much about Hoybier, um on that Liverpool game because, I, and I know we spoke a bit about Ndombele and Hoybier, but um, uh, Liverpool's midfield, in terms of in terms of containing our threat, I feel like they did well, especially in the second half. They stepped up a notch, um, um, and they really, really stopped us from from. Like getting a foothold into that game, Ronaldo, Milner, um, Thiago to a certain extent, but I don't want it to take away from the fact that Hoybier was absolutely phenomenal that game, scored a cracking goal, and I felt like Ndombele was a, another good performance from him. Um, how important are these two um, to our success? How important are these two to um, the the game on Sunday? And are we now in a period where this manager needs to start playing these two in a double pivot? Yeah, no, definitely. Like we all know how we feel about Ndombele. Uh, we had that amazing thread uh, by Ohio earlier in the week about Ndombele's qualities. Um, I feel like, especially after listening to the main pause, when people mentioned uh, Hoiberg's uh, current run up to this half point in the season where he could arguably be one of the uh, best sort of uh, defensive midfielders in, in the league. And I really do maintain that. I do believe Correct. this is the kind of player that we've needed. We we all know this. A very defensive-minded technician who is happy to do the, the, the dirty work, the doggies, but also is competent. Doesn't have to be amazing on the ball, but is competent on the ball and allows us to start attacks. Um, so... I think he's actually he's impressed me more than I ever thought he would have actually since we've since we've signed him. Um, and I've actually been begging, if anything, screaming for it to be a double pivot between with him and Ndombele uh, alongside him, just because I know the qualities that they both possess almost 
complement each other. We've got someone who's very able to win and to and to harass and to to almost will the ball away from opponents, and then you give it to a player, you know, five yards, ten yards away from him, who is from deep areas, able to not only beat a man on his own, but also able to break lines in a Dombele. So this is kind of what we really wanted in this position, but obviously with the different names, with the different kind of players that we've had and the um, systems we've been playing, this is hasn't this hasn't always been the case. But again, you know, of the three or four players that 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 performed well against Liverpool, because you know Liverpool did do well in that second half, we can't not give them credit. But I feel like and Dombele and especially Hoiberg, they can leave after that ninety minutes with their heads held. You know, they they played both both of them played very well. Hoiberg's goal, I mean. Out of nothing, really, it was excellent, and he's constantly showing himself to be a player who doesn't shy away. This is the problem that I feel we've also missed, especially with mm-hmm. our defence. Players who are just going to front up and do the jobs that are required. Do yeah. not, do not fuck up. Do not make mistakes. Do the role that we need you to do, and he's doing that role. But it's just, it's very frustrating that there's a number of players that aren't being able to do these roles that they're being asked to do, you know, and I do feel like it will get better with him I, I, I fully believe he's captain material at Tottenham, um, I love the way he speaks, he speaks so positively and you clearly know that this is someone who, who loves his football and he knows football as well, so I'm just happy that we've got him, um, I mean hopefully you know, it improves and we can hopefully have a bit of a better more synergistic pass, partnership between him, himself and Dombley, but going yeah. forward like, he's been brilliant for me. I, like, I've, I'm, I'm a big fan of him so far this season. Yeah. Um, just staying on you as well. Uh, so you mentioned that. So you, you're obviously in agreement that we should try that. We should keep them in a double pivot for um, for Sunday's game. So then, who would be sort of that third option in midfield? Are you saying that we uh, play ahead of them? Are you saying that we place place put Sissoko in there and make it a four three three? How do you want us to approach this game against Brighton? Because you got to remember they got the likes of Busuma, they got yeah. um, they got some nippy nippy wide men as well. Um, they like you said they are a team who are very very comfortable in possession. So what what, what type of midfielder would you pick um, to, to negate their um, their obvious threat? I believe he's going to probably go back to four two three one, whereby he's going to pull up, he's going to pull in. Sissoko for a bit of uh, metal in that midfield alongside Hoiberg and push up in Dombley to uh, into 10. Um, Sun will be up top, I think, and then he'll probably go with Bergeron on one side, probably the left and the right. I'd, like, if, if it was up to me, I would go with Vinicius as a striker and Sun and Bergeron, but I know he won't do that. Uh, I don't think he trusts Vinicius enough. So then the only position that's really left, you know, is that sort of right-sided area, which is between really Lucas and, and Bale at this point. Um, I feel like uh, Bale, like I know it was, I'll bet it was against Wickham. He did show me something that I hadn't seen up to this point. Um, he was a lot more active. I think he completed 90, um, created a lot of opportunities. So it would be a reason for him to sort of come back into the team and give Brighton something else to think about because you know a front three of Bergerin, Sun, and Bale isn't it's not bad at all you know, but obviously at this point we are going to need a bit of output from himself, bit of output from uh, from Bergerin, 
and obviously hopefully uh, a goal that's kind of been necessary for Sun as well. But yeah, more more than likely, I think it will probably be like a four three three or four two three one with Sun up top and uh, and, and Dombley at ten. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, lads, we've got I think just under uh, three minutes left, so I just want to go around the, the room and sort of get your predictions, um, nail you down, or better that nail you to the wall and and put out your feelings in terms of how you think this game is going to go. So Owen. I'm going to start with you first. Uh, give us your, your your view on on what the score is going to be. Um, I'll give a quick one. I guess I, I think we'll we'll match them up three at the back again, and I think we're gonna, there's going to be times we're going to struggle. But I back us to win one nil. Late goal from I don't know who, <laughs> but I back us to to soak up some pressure and get a jammy goal, just like we, we did in the reverse fixture. Jack? Do you know what I can see happening? I can see I can see us losing 1-0 and Jose being like, last season, we lost. they lost 3-0. This season, we lose 1-0. <laughs> I, I can see that happening. But, um, yeah, bloody hell, we got packed, didn't we? Jesus. Yeah, it's it's gonna be long, and I think Jose's approach is just gonna hold us back even more. Um, I you know just go for it. I'd love to go for it and win four three, but I can see it being a one one to be honest. Mm. Okay, one one. Uh, tops. I uh, I think it's gonna be a tight one. Um, Brighton are actually a decent side to be fair. I think we're probably going to win one or one nil or two one, and we're going to score a set piece. I can see a defender scoring. Score one one one, one one two one. Yeah, um, I think is I think so. Everyone, I'll, I'll chip in, give my opinion as well. I think we're going to win this one two one. I think it's going to be a very very nervy two one. We're not going to play well. We're not going to dominate the ball. We're not going to create a lot of chances, but I feel like we'll create enough to score two. Um, and <laughs> oh, and you're optimistic and keeping a clean sheet, but I get I get your logic because they don't really score any goals, do they? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's the hope that fills you with confidence and glee, isn't it? And then follows the feeling of powerlessness and rage that turns any good man cruel. But we'll we'll see what happens. Okay, well, guys, it's been it's been very uh, therapeutic. I hope we've got across all our points and our anger and our envy from the from the Liverpool disaster class. Um, if you're still listening uh, and you want to watch this podcast, it's going to be available on YouTube. Uh, make sure you search Touchline Fracker. It's going to be available on that YouTube channel. Um, make sure if you're not following all our socials, again, make sure to follow Touchline Fracker on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, and as we said at the start of the podcast, we will see you on Sunday evening, um, if we do actually decide to do a difficult, I'm not sure if you lot are around, but hey ho, we got to make, <laughs> we got we got to show that United front that we did at the start of the Liverpool game anyway, so um, yeah, make sure you hop on Discord, uh, I'm sure you'll find a bunch of us there. Lads, uh, it's been a pleasure doing this with you all, and um, I will speak to you soon. Debut, Tungay Onzombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura clips it. Oh, great goal!
Podcast Network.